Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome, everybody, to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck. And I'm joined here with Paige Peck, my daughter. Hey, guys. All right. And we are going to be talking today about teaching children responsibility like a champ. All right. So parents are always wondering, how do I help them take more responsibility for themselves? That's what we're going to talk about today. Why are my kids always laying around doing nothing? Exactly. And you know, especially right now, I mean, we're, we're in this little historic pandemic that's going on right now, right? <laughs> and probably all the more right now, their parents are like, oh my goodness, they're just expecting me to do everything for them, you know? And how do I stop that for, from happening? So we're going to talk about that today and we're, we're going to do it through the lens of self-government. So self-government, what does that term mean to you, Paige? So it means for me being able to analyze and control my own behaviors in any given situation. Yeah, that's great. So it is essentially that. It's like, okay, how is it that I want to behave or what do I think is the very best way? You make a plan for it and then you actually execute that plan and then you analyze yourself again and you say, how have I done with this? And this is a process that a person has to go through of giving themselves instructions, giving themselves no answers, correcting them with themselves when they go off course. That's what it means to self-govern. And guess what? A person doesn't learn that very well unless they have a parent who has also been teaching them self-government all the way along, which means parents have to be giving instructions and no answers and corrections and disagreeing appropriately and all of that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about responsibility, but before we talk about responsibility, we wanted to share with you a fun activity. Paige, what activity do you want me to share with people today? So last week we talked about all the different games that our family plays and we mentioned one called Stupid which is a lovely little name, but <laughs> you know, it, that is a, that is a word that when my children were little, I never allowed them to use that word. I was like, <laughs> no, we don't use that word. Do you know what I'm talking about? How like when your children get older and then they start saying like idiots or stupid or, you know, like just <laughs> saying little things. And then finally you're like, at first you're like, ah, I don't care. No, at first you're like, Oh no, we don't say that. We're not going to have bad language and talk mean to each other, which is a good thing because it sets the bar really, really high for your children, you know, but then as they get a little bit older, if they say, oh, well, that was so stupid, I'm not going to correct them, right? Now, if they start calling other people stupid, I still might correct them, but, <laughs> anyway, but that's anyway. besides the point. <laughs> exactly. So, but this game, I, I don't think when they were little, if somebody would have said, do you want to play a game named stupid? I probably would have said, can we rename it? So <laughs> if you want to, if you want to rename this game, that's fine. But, um, but this game is actually named stupid. That's what it's called. For a reason. <laughs> and it is for a reason. And you and as soon as you start playing, you know why. Because at some point in the game, people are gonna go, oh, this is so stupid. <laughs> So that's why we call it stupid. Um, but I have seen actually a few people call it something different. So 
Anyway, well, it, um, yeah, whatever. I mean, you want to call it? Yeah, some people can call it different games. So let me let me tell you how to play this game. You need face cards, okay? And this game, by you the need way, a lot is of them. A really great game for big groups, okay? So usually we say you need one deck more than people you have, okay? So and, one extra. Yeah, one extra deck. So if I was going to play with two people, I would actually probably round up two or like three possibly or at the very least decks, yeah. two. Yeah, possibly three decks of cards. Now, these decks of cards can be the mismatched decks, the ones that you're like, I don't even know where <laughs> the five of hearts went, you know? Like, we can't play with this deck anymore for a lot of games, but for the game Stupid, it totally works. You can be missing cards and it still is fine. So anyway, you find a whole bunch of decks, which means that the family's going to have to start doing that thing where you stop at souvenir stop, short, short, stores and you like actually collect decks of cards now. You know? Which is what we do, so it works out great. <laughs> yeah, we didn't used to, but I'm starting to bring home decks of cards from places. Anyway, um, it makes it fun anyway, because then when you're holding your hands, everyone's holding their cards, you know, you see all these different kinds of cards in everybody's hands. Which <laughs> you got is really funny. cards, you got cards from California, you got cards from Hawaii. You got <laughs> yeah, exactly. Puppy dog cards. <laughs> exactly. All over the place. So anyway, um, what you do is you deal... You shuffle all the decks together and you take out the jokers because you don't need those. You shuffle all the decks together so you make one big, huge deck, okay? And then you, and, and you might even, if you're playing with enough people, what we've had to do is say, okay, this deck is too high. No one could ever shuffle this. So we're going to break it out in groups and you hand almost, you know, four or five different people a section of the deck and they shuffle that whole section of the deck and then they deal it out to everybody they, so they make piles for each person so we've got four people making you know like eight Seven piles, piles. Yeah. yeah or whatever and then each of those people puts hands their piles all together and they give it to one person like so so all of those eight piles get combined with the other eight piles with the other eight piles. And then soon each person has their pile. Cause you have to deal out the whole, all the cards. So, so in a nutshell, if you've got six people, seven decks, eventually everyone will get one pile of cards. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. You'll, so you'll be holding a deck of cards, maybe a little bit more when you're done that when you have been dealt your cards. So then what you do is you take those cards and you put four cards on the table face down and you cannot look at them. So you have your deck that you've been dealt. You put four cards face down. Then you take the next four cards and you turn them face up on top of each of those cards that's face down. So just you flip them up just randomly. So now you've got four little piles. They each have two cards in them. One's face down, one's face up sitting in front of you. Then what you do is you take off the top of your deck, you take five cards, okay? And you always get to have five cards in your hand. So then that pile that you have left is face down next to you somewhere. The big one. The big pile, yeah, that you have left. And that's going to be your pile that you replenish your hand with. Your draw pile. Uh-huh, that's your own draw pile. And the whole point of of this game is to get done with your cards first. That is the point. So you want to go through the cards in your hand and your draw pile and all four or eight of those cards that are in those four stacks that are in front of you. 
and you want to be the first one to do that but it's not as easy as it th as you think because there's these stupid things that happen <laughs> from time to time yeah so basically then you just count up right so um so everyone's three Oh, yes, that's true. Thank you. Good point, Paige. So what you do is you say, okay, in those five cards, five cards that you're holding in your hand, um, how many threes do you have? Who has or your the most lowest, yeah. threes? Or if nobody has threes, you would go to fours. Now people are saying, no, two is the lowest. No, because two, the card number two and the card number 10 have special powers. Okay. So that's important to recognize. The card number two is a card that really means zero. It, sets it resets it it resets your um, discard pile at zero. And that's important. I'll explain why in a second. And then card number 10 is a card that basically clears us, clears the, the discard pile. And you want that discard pile to be cleared periodically. There's two different ways to clear it. Either play a 10 or play four cards that are the same um, so like the four same, fours. yeah, four fours. They don't have to be the same suit, just either the form, same number or the same royalty ranking, you know, or something. Anyway, so we say, okay, who's got the most threes? And if somebody's got like three threes or, you know, then they get to go first. Or if only one person's got one three, then they get to go first. But you know, and if no one has threes, we go to fours. But so you can play three threes at a time. You can play as many of a card number as you can as a, at a time. And you want to do that because then you go through your disc, your draw pile faster, right? Yeah. And so, people can play the same number. So say you played two sevens, someone else can also play two sevens and then that clears the deck. And then that clears the deck. And what we mean by clears the deck is so in the middle where we're discarding discard in the pile. middle. Yeah. yeah, we're starting with three and we build up from there. So three, four, five, or three, and maybe the next person in line only has a nine. So they're just going to play a nine. I mean, occasionally you got somebody playing a three and somebody throwing an ace on there, and then you're like, what? <laughs> okay. And so that's but where a two can, or a 10 come in handy. <laughs> exactly. Because then if you don't have an ace to add to that aces, then there's going to be a penalty. You have to take whatever is in the that whole discard, discard pile. pile. The whole discard pile. There could be 30 cards in there. And it goes into your hand. And you have to put it in your hand. And before you can take any more out of your draw pile, you, you have gotta... to get back down to under five cards <laughs> in your hand. So you can always, ki always keep five cards in your hand from your draw pile. But that discard pile turns into a very stupid thing <laughs> when you have to take it. And that's why, that's why the game's named what it is. Because every time you have to take that pile, you're like, ah, you know. And so yeah. it's a oh, great accepting there, a no-answer game. Isn't there a rule at the beginning where once you have your four cards face down and four cards face up, you draw some cards and replace the top ones that you don't want on there? Ooh, yes. Um, I hate, I don't want to derail us. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about strategy in a quick second. Okay. So, um, so first what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, so, so we build on to this game bit by bit. So say the first player plays three threes. Okay. And the next player says, oh, well, I've got a four. So they play one four. And then, then the next person says, well, I've got, you know, another four so then the next person plays a four because you can either match or go up a number uh, you know a, a card value 
Um, and then the next person says, well, I don't have any of those. My lowest car is an eight. So I'm going to play an eight. And then, you know, it goes up the ladder. Um, and then let's say it gets all the way to ace. And you're like, oh, I don't have any aces, but I do have this two. If I played a two, it would set it back to zero. And then that discard pile would stay there. And that makes that discard pile way more dangerous because it's going to start over again. And if someone has to grab that pile, it's going to be big, you know? Um, or I could play a 10 if I didn't have an ace. And if I played a 10, then it would clear it, which means someone would take that discard pile and put it in a, like a container, a box or another place. So or nobody a can, pile. a separate pile. Yeah. So nobody can use it anymore. It's out of the game basically. And the whole goal is to get all the cards out of the game. And there's only two ways to clear it. Either you play a 10 or you play four of the same number or, or combined around the table. Everyone has played up to four of the same number um, in a row. So four eights all got played in a row or maybe even seven eights. Someone threw down seven eights because they've picked up all these discard piles <laughs> and they've got like a whole bunch. They can put them all down on there and then everybody goes cleared. You know, sometimes people like, oh, and after you clear it, if you're the one that clears it, you want to be the one that clears it, either plays the 10 or plays the last bit of eights or whatever number it is that you're playing on so that you can clear it because then you get to start next. And if you've got a pesky three in your hand, that's pretty much the only way to get rid of it. So you want to clear it so that then you can start next, which means you get two turns in a row and that's going to help you get rid of your cards quicker. So that's another thing that you do mm -hmm. anyway. Um, so then, then after you're done with your whole draw pile, then you start playing the ones that are face up on your pile. Okay, on your four piles that are in front of you that each have the two cards, you play one of them that's face up when you can. And if you can't, you still have to take that discard pile and then it starts all over until you get rid of it. And then you play the next one. But we're going to, but like Paige was talking about at the beginning of the game, when you deal those out and you deal yourself five cards, you look at your five cards and you look at those four that are up face up. And you want those four that are face up to be royalty or tens, tens or twos, because then they're easy to get rid of when it comes down to it. So we allow with those first five cards in your hand, we allow you to exchange cards off the top, but you can't ever exchange the ones that are face down because nobody gets to know what their face down cards are. Because so that's anyway, where it gets stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it totally, that's where it gets really stupid. So anyway, so then let's say we're down to just those eight cards that are in those four stacks. So then you play those out. And then after you're done with that, then when it's your turn the next time, you just flip up one of those upside down ones and you have to put it on the pile. And you hope it works. <laughs> and you hope it works. And if it doesn't work, then you got to take the whole pile and you got to play that down until you can do it with another one. Anyway, it's a riot. You laugh your head off when you play this game. It, t it takes a long time for me to, to explain it all to you. And that's why we couldn't explain it before. So I'm glad we took this time now, but we have got to move on. Anyway, hopefully <laughs> that was a, that's a fun game. Hopefully you can find yourself uh, playing that game sometime with a group of friends or with your family, because it is so much fun and it takes a little while. And 
we usually play multiple rounds because we love it so much. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about our topic for today. Our topic is teaching children responsibility like a champ. And so let's talk about how we do that. Well, first, let's talk about the problem, Paige. So what does it look like, Paige, when people are, are thinking that their kids or their children, I don't love the word kids, but I know I put it in the title of this uh, podcast. Anyway, <laughs> um, and that's because everyone uses the words, but I, I don't love it. Right. Because in the Bible, it says that uh, Jesus had his lambs on his right hand and his kids on his left. And it's always been a derogatory term for goats. So I don't love calling my <laughs> children that. So I like the word children. Anyway, so Paige, uh, what, what are parents seeing with their children? What looks like children aren't taking responsibility? What's the problem here? Well, what's commonly seen, especially nowadays, is that parents are seeing that their children are not taking responsibility for anything and that it comes in many different forms. I know the first thing we usually think of is when it comes to chores or house duties, most kids, um, I guess you could say stereotypically speaking, uh, they either don't have those responsibilities, they're not given to them, or they choose not to fulfill those responsibilities because it's too hard or this is so dumb or, you know, my friends don't have to do that. So well, that's yeah, really big so one. they yeah, they might like just kind of have an attitude about it about it, and some of them might just like you know they forget they're like they're like um forgetful, they just don't want to do stuff, they don't see a mess, I mean, I think parents think, oh, my child just doesn't see a mess, um what they don't realize is that you have to train a person to see a mess, you have mm -hmm. to, yeah, so, look, this is messy, it needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, well, and, and you, but you have to train them, like, what looks good, what doesn't look good, what is neat and tidy, what is hygienic, what is not hygienic, right. <laughs> what is, you know, because there's, like, other responsibilities that come with personal hygiene, too, right? So, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to wash yourself, wash your hands, especially right now, we're in a pandemic. Uh, how many times a day do you wash your hands? I don't know, somewhere around 400. Like, it seems <laughs> like that. I don't know. That's all I'm doing. My hands look like alligators. Anyway, um. <laughs> so yeah so cleaning up after themselves cleaning themselves or i think yeah. i think um parents also would love their children especially when they get to a certain age to earn money save money especially when they get to be you know in their adolescent years yeah because that is a responsibility and eventually it's an well it is an adult responsibility yeah they need to learn that well okay this could be bring us to parents who are like yeah i've got a 25 year old who doesn't take responsibility in my basement <laughs> yeah exactly and in that case what do i do right yeah so because they haven't wanted to take on the responsibility of supporting themselves for their life but we're going to talk more about the younger ones all those the principles apply that we're going to talk about in the solutions even to those those uh older you know adult age children uh, so what are some other things maybe that, that might be a problem? Um, I know I've heard of lots of parents who say, oh, my child just, they come home and all they want to do is play video games and they leave their homework sitting on the counter or whatever. Mm. And so, and I can relate to that. There have been days I come home from school. I'm like, I don't want to do my homework. I am done for the day. <laughs> I just want to go to bed or I just want to relax. 
I was going to say, there's a kind of a valid reason why that happens, right? Yeah. Like the whole day they've been pushing it. The afternoon, your brain just is like, I'm done. Like our brain has been working, trying to retain information and knowledge and like okay here's homework due tomorrow you're like oh okay so what does it mean to have responsibility then it means to to actually have a feeling of duty it means to push obligation yeah push forward through that non-desire to do it and just do it yeah and that takes a lot of strength that a person has to muster within themselves to say even though i don't want to do this i have to do it i have an obligation to do it Mm mm-hmm and they have to not be afraid of that feeling of duty and obligation. There are some people that, that when they feel duty or obligation, they actually start to like stress and shut down, which then is not oh, Especially help if it's an take... unfamiliar feeling, if they're not used yeah. to having, you know, a weight on their shoulders. Ooh, which brings us to one of our solutions, which we haven't even gotten to solution yet. We'll get there. But it, <laughs> but it brings us to one of our solutions, which is that a person has to be very used to feeling the weight of responsibility. Which it means can't they have to be, be given responsibility. Regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about that in a, in a minute. Um, I hear parents say stuff like, they won't ever lift a finger which basically means that the child is not seeing just in day-to-day life what they need to accomplish or, or what, how they could serve other people in the family, right? So they are just doing their own thing all of the time. So not only do parents want them to do their actual chores and jobs and take over their dishes that they've been told to do, but they want their, their children also to just go, oh, look at that mom just came home from the store or we just came home from the store together. I will help unload the, the, the groceries and put them away. I'm not just going to leave it all to her. And so to a lot of people that looks like showing kindness, but that's yeah. actually taking responsibility in your relationship. Yeah. Well, and I would say like you, when we were younger, dad would call us two minutes away from the house. He's like, Hey, I'm headed home for the grocery store. I'll be there in two minutes. Meet me on the driveway and come help unload. We're well, like, okay. He still does that to this day. <laughs> Who and, and you know, one day he's going to be calling me when all of the children are gone, <laughs> and he's going to be like, "Honey, I'm coming." Anyway, so <laughs> okay, he likes, okay. to, I'll meet he you likes to go shopping, but he doesn't like to bring it all in himself for sure. Um, let's just talk about a few other quick things, um, Paige. I don't know if you've noticed this with your generation of friends. But, you know, in, in the college life, but there are some people who like, just almost like have a fear of making a phone call. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They're like texting, of course, is the thing or Snapchatting. They would much rather send a picture of themselves or their surroundings with a text than have a voice call. Then like call the bank, but you can't Snapchat the bank. <laughs> and you no. can't and you can't snapchat the you know i don't know the whatever the the tax bureau who you know whatever the, whoever you or admissions office for the school yeah or the driver's license division you can't snapchat them you have to call them you know yeah and and so I like it's, noticed, it's not it's not too bad at least with college kids at least like further on college kids but i know i've noticed with freshmen people just coming straight from high school it still is kind of an issue because they have to learn the skills. See, because mm-hmm. they're not actually making phone calls. And this is concerning to me. You know, a lot of parents actually have said to me, Oh, my child won't even call whatever. And I think to myself, well, how many times have you called for them? 
Have you made them do it? I have had to go through that awkward thing with every one of my children where I'm like, no, I'm going to train them how to make this call where I look at them and, you know, and like, I'll say, I had a conversation just with um, London. She's my 18 year old. I had a conversation with her just a couple of months ago. She's getting ready for college and stuff. And she started calling everybody. And then there was some problem she needed to sort out. And she's like, you call him. And I'm like, no, no, honey. <laughs> no, no, you call. <laughs> you go ahead and call him. I, you got this. You have called everything else. She just didn't want to. She just didn't want to. It's like, nope, sorry. That was a harder phone call. <laughs> you are almost an adult now and you're getting ready for college. You better be making all these calls. Even if you've got a problem that you've got to sort out with, you know, the admissions office or whatever it is, you've got to call them. And so you know, she did and it went great and it went fabulous. And so then <laughs> all the more, she's not going to be afraid to make a phone call, but you know, yeah. that's one thing. I mean, what about, you know, there's another one too. And, and I think this is a, this goes to our, our society's real lack of social skills right now. Um, for as much as people are crazy about social, like social media and everything else. Um, a lot of people don't take responsibility to find themselves friends. Yeah. And so that, that's why they do want to sit on social media all day. And that's why they do want to sit on games all day and stuff like that, because they don't want to go through what it takes to find a friend and to nurture a friendship. Cause that takes effort. Yeah, it does. Well, and it's actually, it, it can be really scary because I know I make new friends all the time. It's something that I am actually fairly good at, but it's, it can be hard sometimes. Like sometimes for me, it's literally like inserting myself into their conversation. You know, yeah. when I'm walking up to a group or something, I'm like, oh, you like pineapples? I like pineapples too. I think they're And so then good. just kind of being there and hoping to be included. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to step out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. and, you, and sometimes you have to call somebody there too, you know? And when you normally wouldn't, I mean, how, how else are you going to find a friend or find a date or yeah. you know, something like that? Right. And the same thing goes for getting a job. Okay. So, yeah. so I've heard of so many people like, Oh yeah, my mom, you know, she brought me these applications and I'm like, no, go get your own. <laughs> if well, you want a job, go get an application or go fill one out online. Yeah. And so, because if a person won't get a job, then the parents have to pay for their, their stuff forever. Right. Right. I mean, and we know that you love us, but you also want us to be financially independent. So. Yeah. Well, there's a point where the love cripples, isn't there? Yeah. There's a point where the love cripples. On both sides. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing as far as just taking responsibility, and, and I would say this is probably the last one that we can bring up, uh, because we've got to get to the solutions. But a lot of times people won't take responsibility for when they've made a mistake. Okay. Mm. So they won't like when they've done something wrong or, you know, made some sort of a mistake, they don't want to admit it. And they won't say sorry. No, they won't say sorry. And they don't feel sorry. They don't feel sorry. And I think that's the biggest thing. But like when someone, you know, brings it to their attention they're like, oh, no, no, no. Or they, or sometimes they'll just ignore even. They, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about something that they did wrong. They, they literally can't take it. And what that means is they can't take criticism or they can't take um, consequences. They can't accept them. They can't accept Which is criticism. a problem. That's a life skill that's needed. Yeah. Because there's because you, natural and synthetic consequences for most things. You can't work with somebody 
if you can't hear them talk to you just straight, just plain, plain as day. You know, recently our family has started wa- watching uh, a few episodes of that old show, Monk. M O N M O N K. Now that I love guy, Monk. It's funny. It's funny. But but that guy on there, okay, Mr. Monk, Adrian Monk, with all of his little quirks and everything, makes him a very hard person to deal with, right? Yeah. So he's got this assistant that is with him. And she's just like, no, Adrian, no, you can't do that. Adrian, do you understand that these people are not going to call you back for a job if you don't do this? This is her boss. And she's just telling him what's what all the time. She's <laughs> just like, Adrian, what you're doing right now is making it so they think you're a loony bit. You've got to just let it go and just move on. And, and I, and I mean, even though, you know, her tone maybe could, you know, be a little bit more kind sometimes, she does a pretty good job of keeping a tone that's there, that's kind, but it's, it's interesting to me because I look at this and I think how many people would really allow another person to talk to them like that? There, there are a whole bunch of people, a whole group of people in the world that would never allow a person to be like, whoa, what you are doing right now is totally going to shoot yourself in the foot. (laughs) Like you should not do that. And see, he knows that she cares about him and understands him better than anybody else. And he allows her to talk to him like that because he knows she's his best friend and that she will help him. Mm Mm-hmm. But most people... So he has to bite the bullet every now and then. Most people do not have the type of relationship with someone where they allow someone to tell them they've done something wrong. And I'm talking about adults, a marriage, a husband and wife. I'm talking about everybody. Because they feel like if someone tells you you've done something wrong, that means they're good and you're bad. That somehow they're elevating themselves above you. And that may not be it at all. Mm-hmm. So in the parent-child relationship, we have this very unique opportunity to be able to tell our children, this is what you've done wrong and this is why. I mean, we can do the training like Adrian's friend does for him. Maybe not can... quite in her same tone, but... <laughs> no, not always, because sometimes she's a little frustrated, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we need to be a little bit more patient. But anyway, yeah, and I, I mean, I just thought of that, you know, that's a... It's something that kind of goes along with, you know, people being able to admit when they've done something wrong. So let's talk about the solutions, Paige. What ideas do you have for us uh, for helping somebody teach their children responsibility? What do the parents need to do to help raise a person who feels this feeling of responsibility? Well, like we mentioned before, you know, we have to give children more responsibility, but there's something very important that comes along with that on the parent's part. When you give the child a responsibility, there's going to be mistakes. And Mm -hmm. the parent has to be willing to let those mistakes happen. Mm -hmm. And they have to be okay with it. They Mm -hmm. have to realize that they might have to clean up after someone. Or they might have to sit there with them, you know, while they're on the phone. And, you know, maybe give them a few words to say. Or, you know, help a child after a very bad phone call. Yeah. Help them to say, okay, well, you said this. How can we do this better? Like, they have to be okay with those mistakes. That's called patience, Paige, and most people don't like that. Yeah, it takes time. 
It takes a lot of, you know what? That's why people don't like patience. You just found it. It's because it takes time. And people don't want to invest the time into their relationships. like to move fast, keep going, move on, move forward. They do. In fact, hurry is the scourge of America. Yeah. It literally is. Like we are in so much of a rush all of the time that we forget the people. And the people around us are the most important thing. So, yeah. so for a parent, what they need to do is they need to go, okay, mistakes will happen. And guess what? I'm going to have to do more training and teaching, just like you're talking <laughs> about, Paige. So I would say that's, that's skills training that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, which actually there. makes sense why a lot of parents don't give their children responsibility because it takes more time. And if they're like career parents or which is, I'm not saying there's anything against career parents, but if they're, you know, fast paced, busy moving, don't have much time, they're like, I can't give this to them. I don't have the time to teach them. And so I'm just going to do it myself. That happens a lot. And then, and then what occurs is we have the child that can get disabled um, skills wise, you know, mm-hmm. can get disabled skills wise because the parents just like, I just don't have the time to do this teaching and this training yeah. and you know, the patience that's involved. Um, parent, parents have to give their children more responsibility. We mentioned this earlier. Parents have to give their children more responsibility in order for the child to actually in their regular life of their own accord, take responsibility. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a learned behavior. It is. And part of that learning, you have to tell them beforehand, like, Hey, I'm going to give you this. This is, you know, what it should look like in essence. And let's, let's try for this goal with this responsibility. And so that's, you know, you have to pre-teach, which is one of the skills that we teach with self-government Mm-hmm. and we teach and that also takes more time and so yeah. having your children take responsibility for things requires more time on the parents part for sure. which might be hard to come to grips with but that pre-teach is so important because then it gives the child kind of a roadmap of where they're going and what they're doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I happen to think of something mm-hmm. too and, and that is that there's some parents who are like, listen, if I give my child responsibility, it just increases their anxiety. It just makes them worry and stress, you know? But why are they stressing? Like, are they stressed because they won't do it right and mom will get mad? Uh Or is mom a perfectionist? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, is dad going to get angry because it doesn't meet his qualifications or, you know, whatever. Or do they just not know the skill yet? Yeah, and so and so it could just be as simple as mommy knows you don't know how to do this yet, so I need to do it with you the first time and show you yeah, how to and do that it. Decreases the anxiety right there. Yeah, just but that is that, a, that is a concern for people. That is the pre-teaching. You know, all children have anxiety. Some have conditions where they process with even more anxiety. Maybe I shouldn't say conditions because it's just like every brain works different you know that's just the way it is um but some people are more anxious and so then some parents try to protect because of anxiety yeah and the best thing you can do and i promise this because i did foster care for a lot of a lot of years and all of the children that i did foster care had anxiety higher levels of it um then well not not one one of them didn't but every one <laughs> of the others did but they had higher level, levels of anxiety than normal people would would be in the normal range and you would think i would have just babied them because of that but no way there was no way i was going to do that i'm like i am not crippling these children 
these and they were teenagers they were all teenaged you know ages 12 to 18 i thought no way mm-hmm. they have got to be able to go off onto their own and take care of themselves which means they got to conquer anxiety related to this or well, and taking responsibility sometimes means growing pains you know you got to yeah. go through a little bit of pain but knowing i know for me knowing that someone is there to help you whenever you do have to take responsibility is so nice like knowing that i can call you whenever i need advice or help i'm like okay mm. good i can do this i have someone there to help me if i need it right right and so that's it's a security thing but that helps me so i can do it by myself mhm i love that that's true so it doesn't mean you have to know all the answers to everything no. and as parents we shouldn't be expecting our children to know all the answers to everything when they're sitting there at the piano and they're having a breakdown because they don't know a certain note go show <laughs> them where the note is you know like they don't ha- i mean that's not the time to teach responsibility that's when you go okay here's the note Okay, so that it frees them so that they can move on, but then they can take the responsibility to finish learning that song, you know, mm-hmm. once they've made it past that, that roadblock that they've had, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, so I just had to bring that up because I know some people think, well, oh, my children, they can't take as much responsibility because they have such high anxiety. And, and I want you to know all of my foster children were diagnosed with something that is just letters, okay? Like R A D O D D O C D A D D A D H D, you know, bipolar, all these different things and things that you would think, oh, okay, they just don't process the same. It's true they don't process the same, but that doesn't. But mean- they haven't been prepared the same. Yeah, because they still can find freedom. So learning skills builds confidence. That is the base of a person's confidence. So you have to keep teaching skills and expecting them to follow through with skills that they learn and helping them through that so that they can get more of a confidence base. Then they can take more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing that we can do to help our children take responsibility is we can have planning meetings with them. So yeah, in our and family, that actually, I would say that's actually another part of pre-teaching mm. because that is, you sit them down. Usually in our family, it was once a week and we would plan out what needed to happen for the week. And we'd say, okay, these are some of the responsibilities that need to be done. And this is when they need to be accomplished by. Mm-hmm. And so in our minds for that week, we already knew what had to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right. That's, and you're not here anymore. So we don't do meetings with you, sweetie, (laughs) but we still do have meetings (laughs) with with (laughs) London and Porter who are still at home, but those meetings are vital to help a person take responsibility because you can bring up new things. You can say, well, Paige, um, you know, you are now old enough that you could actually get a job. And so what are your plans about employment and earning your own money? Well, when you throw it at somebody like that, they're like, wait, do I have to have a plan? Should I make a plan? Maybe I will have a plan. What should I do about it? Uh, And so then all of a sudden she sits there and thinks, and maybe she comes up with something quickly, or maybe she's like, I don't know. What would you suggest? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, 
this is what I suggest. I suggest that you go around and try to turn in 10 applications. And I think out of 10, you might get a couple of callbacks. And if we don't, then you do maybe 10 more you know, and what, what kinds of places do you think you might want to work at, you know, and then we have this conversation and we get her going um, with that type of planning. But, you know, you could plan all kinds of stuff. You can plan a person's hygiene habits. Oh yeah. You no, we had to do that with me at one point. <laughs> we did. I was like, sweetie, we, we absolutely have to shower every day. <laughs> and then deodorant and right hair. after that. <laughs> and, and hair. Yeah. And deodorant. And we, we have to, cause there was a point where you didn't care. I remember that time. Yeah. Anyway, um, but you plan other things too. You know, there's so many things you can plan with your children. Have them plan how to, you know, well, what, how could you um, do better at, you know, getting your school done quicker? Oh, well, if you thought of it yourself, if you did your own you know, you, you drove yourself to the finish line, then wow, wouldn't that be great? Anyway, so there's so many different things we could plan for. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we have to do, though, to teach responsibility is we have to correct all the problems that we see. Oh, boy. Yes. There have been plenty of people that I've run into where clearly the child is doing something they should not. Mm -hmm. And the parent, whether it's just out of exhaustion and not wanting to deal with it, or they're just too lazy, or they just don't care, but they don't address it mm -hmm. until it gets super out of hand, and then they just yell at them. Mm -hmm. And then to everybody else, maybe if they don't yell at them, they just make excuses, right? Like, oh yeah, well, my child will, whatever. They could make excuses if they're not going to get angry. I've seen that one too. Yeah. And then the child learns to make excuses for themselves to get out of situations. Yeah. So the child thinks they never, never, you know, do anything wrong. They're never going to admit to doing anything wrong if, right. if they don't so, get corrected in a good way. Because right. if you're corrected with anger, you're going to like try to hide, which means you're going to lie, which then creates a whole other problem, which then the parents get even more frustrated and possibly yeah. upset, um, you know, because the correction's not happening all the time. But the other thing is if you don't correct, which people think is the other option, people think it's either get mad or don't correct. If you don't correct, then the child still doesn't ever want to admit that they've done anything wrong. If a child has been babied, if they've only done right and been praised only from their parents. And then they feel really entitled to whatever their behaviors are trying to achieve. And then we have achieved narcissism. And then everyone else around that person later on in life doesn't like that person. <laughs> yeah, they're too hard to deal with because it's they have true. to be right on everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. one person that I know of that no one really likes her. <laughs> mm -hmm. She is very entitled. She says whatever comes into her mind. And even when she's talking to her parents on the phone, she is so entitled. Um, yeah. She, so then it's awful. And she is so repels people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Repels. Oh, that's just too bad. Um, and, and that's another, you know, that's a, all the more reason the parents should not think in terms of making excuses for their children. They should yeah. hold their, have their children be held to a bar instead. And it's that's okay important. for your children to go through that. And it's, it's, it's okay for them to go through that, especially if they do have a good support system. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Going through problems and sure. And being corrected. In fact, that's a healthy thing to do. I think a lot of parents make excuses for their children because they don't want to admit that their child needs correcting either. They don't want to go through the, the, the problem. Because it might make them look like a bad parent if their child does something wrong. When in reality, every child's going to do something wrong, like, well, every day, at least <laughs> one. And, and so you correcting it makes everybody look like they're doing exactly what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. The person made a mistake. Oh, well, they're a child, not taking that personally. The parents did a correction. Awesome. Applaud. You know, Yay. I mean, that's great. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they should be doing. And so it, mm-hmm. it puts the roles all in the right place. It gives everybody security to do those corrections and stuff like that. Ah, it's fantastic. So let's talk about the skill the children need if those corrections are going to happen. What skill do they need, Paige? Yeah, so it's actually one of the four basic skills that we teach to children and adults. And it's the third one, which is accepting consequences. Yeah. Accepting consequences. And that can be hard. Ooh, super hard. Yeah. Especially if the consequence is like a natural consequence that you didn't necessarily see coming Mm -hmm. where maybe you said something to a friend that maybe you shouldn't have and they stopped talking to you for a little while. Mm Mm-hmm because either they got offended or it was really rude or, you know, something. So that one can be, you know, stuff like that can be hard or it can be hard. Um, Usually at home, it's like, uh, you've earned an extra chore. Yeah. But it's because <laughs> that was pre-taught and pre-established. So. Yeah, exactly. So those ones <laughs> but, are easy to accept. But the thing is, is if a parent has a predictable consequence, like an extra chore, that it, there's no emotion attached to it. And, um, the parents not taking something away from the child, like a privilege or whatever, and trying to manipulate mm-hmm. them emotionally. Mm-hmm. But if they got a predictable consequence and they know how to do a proper correction, which we teach, it's like a seven step process. Um, if, if a person knows how to do that and then they teach their child also how to accept it, then anything you ever have to be corrected for again is like a no big deal. Right. And then I'm not talking about, so it's a quick fix, like within five minutes, nothing is a big deal. No, you learn the skill, you work on the skill, you correct consequence after consequence. It takes time. <laughs> and, but then soon nothing is a big deal. There's, there's no consequence you can't take. When you make a mistake, you go, oh, look, I made a mistake. I've got to correct myself. No problem. Mm-hmm. And you know. And yeah. So when, it, when you're properly corrected, you learn how to analyze and correct yourself later on. Yeah, exactly. And it's really nice. And that's a skill every adult should have everybody needs and that that is cultured and nurtured by the parents yeah and it's part of that correcting okay so there's one other skill that we teach to it was one of the four basic skills as well i mean really using all four of the four basics help a person take (laughs) responsibility everyone i mean disagree appropriately accepting no answers and criticism following instructions but that's the last one following instructions um when parents repeatedly give their children instructions and the children know the five steps to following an instruction and they do those instructions, then that child is more likely to give themselves instructions, Mm -hmm. which is what is required to take responsibility. Which is called self-government. Yes. There we go. We found our way to self-government. In <laughs> fact, all of it is that we've been talking about is self-government. But um, 
Anyway, we are down to the end of our time here, but I just want you to know if you want to find more about, out, out about those four basic skills, uh, more about self-government in general, how to set up this environment of self-government in your home, you can go to teachingselfgovernment.com and there's a lot of information there. There's articles, there's books, there's courses, there's so much um, good stuff. Other there's things, videos. more podcasts, videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's a lot of things there. So go to teaching self government.com and you can find out more. It was so fun to talk to you today and, and to have a discussion page about responsibility. You are such a responsible <laughs> woman. You Thank really you. are. I try. And because of that, I've noticed that people in your life, in your church congregations, in your jobs that you have, stuff like that, um, people are not afraid to give you responsibility. They know you'll get things done. And um, that's a real... I'm someone that people can count on. And that's a compliment to you. So you may think it makes your life more busy, which it well, does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a compliment to you. Yeah. That means you're a really responsible woman. So anyway, as Thank always, you. Paige, it's such a pleasure. And we will talk to you all again next time. Thank you for joining us. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.